Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to episode two of Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We have a name now. We have a name now, and I'm Joe Morata, as always, joined by Quinn. How are you doing today, Quinn? I'm here. <laughs> you um, are here. We're on iTunes, too. And we are on iTunes now, and you should check us out, and we'll plug some of that later on, our email address and our Twitter handle. Um, Quinn, it's good to be back with you this week. Yes, it is. And we're going to chat for the next hour about wrestling, the things we remember, and some things we wish we don't. We have 40-plus combined years of fandom. Lots of years. And uh, you'll realize that as a show ro- the show rolls on here. So, Quinn, I'm going to actually throw to you to start the show off for our first segment, which is Missed Opportunity. And, folks, I didn't explain this one last week. Missed Opportunity is really something that happened that a promotion didn't do well enough with or could have capitalized on more. Or it is something There's that... There's plenty of them, too. Yes, there are. <laughs> or it is something that should have happened that they didn't do. And I'm going to open the floor to Mr. Quinn here. Quinn, what do you got for me on a missed opportunity? Okay, so this one, I think a lot of people know about it, but uh, maybe we should discuss it this week. And I was thinking, you know, Ric Flair, our Ric favorite Flair. friend, Ric Flair. We know Ric Flair. Ric Flair in the WWFE in general. Mm-hmm. His entire run. Really? Now, everyone, obviously there's highlights that we all love. The mm-hmm. Royal Rumble 92, of course. His feud with Savage. But that's kind of it. He, he drops the belt to Brett, and he's kind of not a factor. He has a career-ending match or loser-leaves-town match yeah, with Mr. The, Perfect. The town. He left yeah, the he town. has to leave the town. He can still wrestle elsewhere. <laughs> I guess anywhere WWE isn't. Yeah, the but, South. Yeah, the South, basically. <laughs> loser and, goes to Atlanta match. But that's all he does... But there was so much more that could have happened. And and the, the obviously the first and foremost is Hogan at WrestleMania. Okay, so yeah, that's interesting you brought that up. So um, you would have run those two at WrestleMania oh, 8. without question. That was the main event at WrestleMania. That should have been the main event at WrestleMania So 8. do you buy into the official story that the house show gates weren't good enough? Or do you think it was political? I think it's political, but I don't know if it's necessarily Flair or Hogan or if it was Vince. <laughs> Let's see. Flair or Hogan. Well, okay. No, no, no. Wait. You Don't don't cry about Flair. We've seen him job to anybody. That's what I mean. Like, I'm saying... I don't think it was Flair. If I anybody. don't either. That's what I'm trying to say. Hulk Hogan, of course, if it's it, going to be anyone. Well, it could have been Vince, too. It could have been... Well, here's my reasoning okay. behind Vince, is that it could have been Vince because he just didn't want to put over somebody that was big elsewhere. He didn't want to put give him the opportunity to get over against Hogan. But he did win the world title a few months earlier. Still, though, he he beat there was chicanery. There, there was chicanery, right? That's exactly. Sid, Sid, Sid won the world title for him. And I'd like to point out for those of you that don't know the the actual broadcast of Royal Rumble '92, um, the fans are actually booing Hogan in the Sid showdown. Yeah, and that's very I, clearly that's definitely where some of the Hogan hate starts to fester. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the first time, really. So it could have been maybe Vince even heard the backlash there and was like, all right, well, I'm not putting Flair over this right. guy. Right, and Flair was, you know, even by 92, he was a legend. Oh, definitely. He 100% would've, agree. Yeah, he would have probably been cheered. Against Hogan? Would you think? I'd say it would be 60-40 uh, Hogan if, if at best, you know. Yeah, yeah. At best. Now, they had a really good MSG match, I think, in October or November or maybe even December of ninety one, you know, a television. Right when show. Flair arrived. And it's awesome. Yeah, I I, 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 I think I think it's on the network actually. It is on the network. And if not, it's somewhere on YouTube, one of those uh, you know, bootleg channels it's some, that I'm, I'm not gonna promote. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not I, gonna pretend it, that I don't I, watch I'm them. almost positive it's on the network. I wanna say November ninety one. And you're I right. I think the main event is like DiBiase versus Piper or something for some reason well, on it. Well the main event is they used to run a mid card main event at MSG shows yeah, sometimes. Because the curfew? Yeah, because but in nineties, well, in the nineties, can get the hell out of there if they don't want to stay past. They their don't want to stay with their kids past. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I actually would have loved to if I had been watching in ninety two. But even retrospectively, I would have loved to see a Hogan Flair main event at a WrestleMania. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I'm that, totally I mean, with you. To there. me, that would have been the ultimate. Like how the eighties should have ended. Now you would like put, you would have put Flair over. <sighs> Well, how about this? Let me propose this I, to you. I, I, I don't almost want to 
theorize how it would how it would end. What if none of this Undertaker garbage? And I love the Undertaker at that time. You think what, that's garbage though? I don't. I I love that Undertaker beat him in, in Survivor Series. But do you not like that Undertaker got the title so early? Do you have a problem with that? He had a six day run, so it's like one of those things where why. You know, well, to promote uh, Tuesday in Texas, that was the in, big thing, right? Uh, yeah, and that the and also he was work. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, they they eventually would go to more regular pay per views, like more than one. Yeah, in, monthly. More, in yeah, ninety five. Right, which well, that was what Tuesday in Texas was kind of testing the waters. Yeah, it was testing either. I don't. I've heard a rumor that it was a weekly, but I don't know if I don't know if that's what true. are they TNA? What like are they, TNA? Yeah. yeah, it didn't work when TNA did it either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it worked because it was the only thing they were well, on. Well, they didn't have TV at the time. That's kind of why right. with that. But um, but as far as um, what I would have done, and I don't like necessarily fantasy rebooking necessarily. You know, I don't. But like... that's what missed opportunity kind of is. Exactly. And, and I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't want to fill the gaps, but I just want to mark that it was a missed opportunity more. I, so. And I'm totally with you. Yeah. But what I if if they were to run Hogan Flair at WrestleMania eight. Okay. I would have had. Um, the Royal Rumble be, and again, this is all retrospective, folks. I understand that, and you know, a lot of people might disagree with me. I would have had that one be the one where the winner got the title shot. No, and had you know, Flair win it. Stick with me. Had Flair win it, and Hogan never loses, or he gets it back from the Undertaker, even at Tuesday in Texas, and Flair beats Hogan for the title. If again, we're playing hypothetical. Mm-hmm. If Hogan was still on his way out because of the steroid trial, right, right, or Mister Nanny, or whatever. No, I think all that would come in place. I just think. I think they could have still done it with Flair winning the Rumble, winning the title in the Rumble, but instead remove Sid from the equation and say Mr. Perfect does some... Well, he wasn't wrestling. Right, but it, he holds his hand or whatever, you know, instead on the outside rather than Sid... Well, Sid did it from the outside, so yeah, doing the same thing Had Sid Mr. Perfect did, do it. but as a manager. Okay. But, yeah, re- they would have to remove that whole manager's not allowed in the Rumble stip. For that. Yeah, that was still or, going on in that. Or just to make it more controversial and chicanery e whatever they want to do. Chicanery e. They could have even had Bobby because he's already at ringside. Well, he was up in that was one of the ones where they were like way up in the thing. Were they way up? Yeah, they weren't at ringside in the early nineties. Oh, because you, you know what? I'm thinking because WrestleMania seven, they're at ringside. WrestleMania seven, they're at ringside. Okay. SummerSlam ninety one, they're at ringside. They're not at ringside for. They for had eight, that period for... of time where like they weren't for a while in like ninety two mainly. Well, they weren't at WrestleMania six, WrestleMania three. Yeah, right. Four, four yeah. and five, they weren't either. Yeah, they were up in that box. Yeah. Um. So okay, I, I get where you're going, but at the same time, Flair accomplished a lot in the you know eighteen months that he was in the WWF the right. first time around. Second time around, don't even get me started. I'm not going to go there. I I I have a love hate relationship with the second run. I liked him as the manager of Evolution and the or sometimes the tag partner. Yeah, exactly. And I also like the retirement. The retirement. I, I I that is the best retirement yeah. in the history of wrestling. I'm sorry. They're, I they're, love you. Yeah, I'm sorry I love you. And then the night after on Raw, mm. leave the memories alone, all that. Is that when that was? Yeah, it's the night after on Raw, oh, and, and, and you know, Ian Anderson comes out. and Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, as Ian Dusty Anderson would say. Ian Anderson comes out. Ian Anderson. All the four horsemen and, you Which know. Be, I want to say Tully and Wyndham were there. And Tully Arn. and Wyndham, okay. Yeah. It Not was like Oli. the good four horsemen. No one likes Oli, The one right? that Flair says is the real four horsemen, the Barry Wyndham one. Yeah, that was that the original? It wasn't the original. It, it was like the Oli third the edition or something. Luger was in it. Yeah. Paul that's, Roma. Yeah. Paul Roma, by the way. You know, Ric Flair wishes he was Paul Roma. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So According I'm, to Paul Roma. I'll tell you this, though. <laughs> they did something that I really liked with Ric Flair. They never made him look like a buffoon. No, they didn't. I mean, he would. He himself would sell. He had an air about him in WWE. Yeah. Like, I'm above the of stupidness this. of... You know, yeah. I'm not he I'm sure he fought jobbers and stuff, but he, he wasn't like the the only buffoonery I can recall with him is when they first brought him in and he was you know, he was kinda hanging with the likes of DiBiase and like in that Survivor Series match and like the Mountie. Right. And even Or so, was the Mountie in that? Yeah, Mountie's in that. Mountie That's it, a good match, by the way. Is that Domino's Pizza Warlord is with them too? Yeah, he is. <laughs> yes. Domino's and <laughs> Yeah. Virgil, a lot yeah. of a lot of um wrestle crap is in that. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> going back to the flair point, he himself, you know, he might do his typical flair buffoonish selling, you know, the flair flop, the flair flip, all that but crap. But these were flair trademarks that exactly. the fan, even those fans knew about. Right. 
Yeah. But they never booked him like a buffoon that I can no. think of. And and he was getting one up on Randy Savage, which was a no no back then. Right. Like and with the with the pinups and all that. And the pinups. Yeah. And, and the that WrestleMania eight match is one of my favorite. WWF world title matches ever. Yeah. I love that angle. But I love o- the match. But if you were to choose... Yeah. Just at a box office level, and I'm not saying... I know the story's great with Savage. Sure, right. Would you choose Hogan or Savage for Flair to be at WrestleMania 8 in front of the Hoosier Dome and everything? As a fan or as Vince McMahon, the promoter? That's the thing. I think as a fan at the time and as Vince McMahon, you would choose that. I can't speak for either because, A, I'm not Vince McMahon, in case you didn't notice, pal. Right. And um, I know you can't speak for it because we weren't a fan. And I wasn't the, a fan yet at the but time. But even watching it, I mean, you want to see the biggest two draws of their time fight each other in the biggest show of the year. I mean, you would think that, yeah, but I don't know what the mentality was at the time. I don't know why. I, I mean, think Hogan didn't want a job to him, even though he probably wouldn't have anyway. He probably wouldn't have anyway, but, you know, Vince— Maybe he didn't want to even, you know— the chance of of being of jobbing Hogan didn't want to present the situation. Period. Maybe it's possible, or the the truth really was is they didn't feel confident in it. But I can't. How do you not feel confident? Just because in that? why would you feel more confident in Hogan versus Sid Justice? I don't know. You know, and I can get Flair Savage because they turned that into a good angle. I don't know why you would have confidence in Hogan versus Sid Justice, honestly. Because I mean, Sid wasn't like Sid was a newcomer, was, fairly newcomer to. He was. To, yeah, uh, he he, Recently, he came in in SummerSlam '91 as the ref, and it was basically the Paul Orndorff angle all over again, but not like people actually sided with Sid this time. How is it the Paul Orndorff angle? Because Orndorff turned on him the same way Sid did. <laughs> That's all I mean. I understand that, but even okay, I I watched that on tape, right? Yeah. But even then. VHS tape? Yeah, as a kid not knowing the story beforehand, I just watched SummerSlam 91. I didn't... I almost understood that Sid was a heel and he was going to turn on him. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't look stable. He's playing the psycho character then, almost. Kind of, but he was a face all the way up until after that rumble. And that press... Remember that press conference where he's like... Tearing at the papers. Yeah, the paper tears. <laughs> that 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 is one of my favorite Sid moments. And Sid has a lot of moments, like you know, we're on live pal and all that. But yeah. <laughs> that is a great Sid moment. Is the paper like it is? Yeah, that that really is. Yeah. Um, back to Flair. The thing that I didn't like, like I love the Bret Hart beat him for the title. I didn't like that it wasn't televised. You know, that's way besides the point. It's yeah. Coliseum video. But I didn't like that once he lost the title. He had that, like, I love that Survivor Series match, despite popular opinion of that whole the thing. The tag team with Razor Ramon? Yeah, yeah. I like it. Eh, it's kind of beneath Flair. That's when they're starting to not use him right. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, and you know what's weird about that? It feels like they're just hyping prime time with the round table. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I just, I could never understand why that was the main thing for Survivor Series. Like, that is that's the... No, that's not the main event. Well, it was promoted as the main event. Okay. It was. It wasn't the last match, but it was still actually the main event. Was it supposed to be a double main event, do you think? No, originally, actually, believe it or not, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, that match was announced before either of them had their respective titles. Huh. Before Bret won the world title. That's a little before, weird, right? Yeah, and before Shawn won the Intercontinental title. I have the magazine where the matches. Oh, there. you do? I do. And there's no huh. title on the line in that match. And remember, don't forget before it was Mr. Perfect, it was Ultimate Warrior. Right, yes. It was supposed to be him and Savage against Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Yeah, what What happened between... I, I always forget the, the second reason why Warrior left. What was the... Do you remember? Um, off the top of my head, I think it was a drug test-related thing. Drug test, yeah, well, right. Vince was trying to, to... If you notice, that's why Bulldog left around the same time. He was trying to play down a lot of the steroidy people. Right. I mean, he was really pushing for... You know, Brett and Sean at that point to be his because yeah, the people that didn't look like freaks of nature, right? I mean, that's I mean, you weren't seeing any warlords hanging around anymore. He was already gone. Yeah. All of those people got purged during the Zahorian trial, and then you know, in <laughs> the Zahorian trial, yeah, you know, Hercules gone, warlord gone, all these yeah. guys, you know, uh, Berserker gone, nails yeah. choked Vince McMahon. Good, well, not good that, that, that he worked choked out for Vince, but well, nails was covered up. I wonder if that had anything to do with the trial because nails appears in '92, right? Yeah, 92. 
Yeah, and he's a big he's a big dude, and he he's probably definitely on steroids. I'm sure he was. And you know what's funny? Quinn and I, folks, we both just recently, oh, yes, yes. for the first time, I heard Nail's real voice, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Walcaz, or Walchaz. Um, apparently, he wrestled as Nails, N-A-I-L-S. You should probably throw Z. it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. The prisoner or the convict or something. It's the um, prisoner is the picture you sent me. Well, the prisoner was in WCW for that okay. one match, but and this is in some other bootleg federation. He's still wearing the same damn orange jumpsuit. He too. looks exactly the same. He does, but he sounds like this. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> he sounds like Jameson actually. If you remember from last week, he's like a, he's I'm gonna like, thrash him. He's like a beefy Jameson basically. So a beefy Jameson, beefy Jamie. You know, a beefy Jamie scene. On that <laughs> note, on that note, I think we will uh, we'll take a, a quick commercial break here, and we'll be back right after this. You WWF talking tough, I'm an ultimate warrior. They're big enough to be talking tough. Hold the rules, brother. Not in my kingdom, Hogan. Feel the power of Hulkamania. You <laughs> ah! WWF talking wrestlers are big. He says six fighting phrases. Using the real voice. Of- the prisoner nails. And Nails, I want to ask you one question. Are you in contention for any of the titles up here in the Northeast? Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where I go, but now I'm stepping foot in the New England Wrestling Federation, and I'm after demolition. He carries the belt, and I want it. You WWF talking wrestlers are big enough to be talking tough. Yeah. I'm going to break your stinking legs. All right, welcome back. Time for our next segment, Quinn, and I'm going to handle this one, actually. This is overrated, and this segment is something that is overrated, and I'm going to throw this one out there, and I think you're going to disagree with me. (laughs) I know you well enough. Oh, boy. I'm going to throw this one out there, and this is a specific... Is this going to grind my gears? I don't know how many gears of yours it'll grind, but it it might ruffle your feathers a little bit. WCW... WCW, it's not the Gooker. Okay. (laughs) WCW in 1997. I I cannot stand it. And I'm not just saying that to be some Mm. smarky guy, okay? Some hipster wrestling fan. I didn't like it at the time. Okay. First of all, with that, I hear where you're coming from as far as at the time. Because I first watched WWF originally. And I was a little perturbed maybe towards the beginning of 1997 that they were starting to overtake him. Because I was like, well, WWF is the leader. Yeah, not by then. But, and this is a big but, the product, most of 1997 was much better. Here's where I have an issue. And by the way, folks, okay, I am well aware of the immense amounts of crap that WWF was churning out at this time, okay? You can tell me about your soldiers. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> yeah, your, your Flash Funks, your Rocky Maivias. I know, okay? I know all of that. Here's my issue with WCW specifically okay. in 1997. This latter half of 96, no question, WCW was captivating with the NWO, yes. all that. Yes. Absolutely, 100% I'm on board with that. By 97, I was so sick, and I'm talking as an 11-year-old fan, of seeing Eric Bischoff in his stupid <laughs> face parade out there, Hogan playing his belt like a guitar. How many times do I need to look at Scott Norton coming out with the NWO and Brian Adams and all You're these You're sounding like a mark, though. Isn't that the point? No, because what it made me want to do was change the channel. That's what I'm trying to say. But they're heels. Yeah, they're I know they're heels, to be but, heels. But who was the lead face? Sting? Luger. Sitting in the freaking rafters? And Luger. Yeah, but Luger had maybe a month where he was like will, actually wait, interesting. Will you not admit that when he beat Hogan in 97, that was one of the best moments it of w- 97? It was, but the only thing was is that five days later, it was the title back. Okay, okay, okay. But that was kind of a break in the action because Sting was the... The guy to do it, right? I have no, I never, and I'm, and I'm talking, not gonna, I'm not gonna bring up '98. We're t- let's talk about '97. Yeah, here. correct. '97. So '97 is a finished product. It sucks. That is my, no, that is it my leads thesis. To Sting beating no, him. it 
sucks, and here's why. I have no sympathy for Sting in kayfabe, right? At the time, as a fan... Oh, you don't fan, like Sting. I know you don't like Sting. But I'm saying as a fan, as an 11-year-old, because I used to watch WCW, the guy sat out for a freaking year and a half. But the story and made so, sense, Joe. The story sucked. He, They all thought he was the guy that was betraying them with the fake Sting and all this. No, the and, fan and they, didn't they, think the, that. The fake Sting was exposed immediately. Right, we but got it's dragged... Fell- but his fellow wrestlers, who he was supposed to be teamed with, they Why did they watch the tape? Him. Why did they just watch that there was a fake sting? Did they not watch their own well, show? Okay, this is a kayfabe thing. I don't know if we're in a time where they're supposed to know what's going on when we see it. Like, do they not know they're on TNT? They know on they're Monday on. Nights. They know they're on television, but do they have access to the tapes? I doubt that. Oh come on! Well, they don't have friends that watch the show, and they're like, "Hey, by the way, you know that was a fake sting." Kind of. I, I feel like back then the, the approach to backstage segments was is that the wrestlers may see the interviews, they may see what goes on in the ring, but those like in the locker room things, it doesn't seem like they're aware of that they're stuff. They're not at the time, but I mean, come on, even baseball players and football players talk about watching footage. You mean to tell me that grown men can't go back and watch but, a tape of Joe, something that this happened? Is the, this is the early days of filming in the locker room. Come on! Like, by themselves thing. No, this the, the problem is, is that you had so much crap in 97. Yeah, Nitro had... 13 freaking matches per episode, and all of them sucked except that, maybe the Cruiserweight match. Yeah, the Cruiserweight, the, the, okay, that show was a good show in 97, especially because of Cruiserweight. You would open it's up not a good show. with a classic. Name Weekly. one. Name one. Like the Dean Malenko matches and with, uh, you know, he would see That's a 96. Couple guys. That's 96. But it, it carried over. It carried over, did it not? And Jericho remember. was starting to step it up. Jericho was good in 97. The best parts of 97, pretty much for me as a fan, maybe not popular opinion, have nothing to do with the NWO. A lot of them don't. Diamond Dallas Page. A lot I mean, of them He fought don't. with Savage. Okay, Savage, I think, was in the NWO at the time, but yeah, DDP that as was an a DDP entity. Feud. And DDP was also one of the big like rally cry people for WCW at the See, time. See, I liked him more than Sting because he was there actually doing stuff. Sting's like, oh, people it well, hurt my feelings. Okay, but the story kind of yeah. was is that for one Bitch. part of 97... <laughs> For one third of '97, you had Luger fighting the NWO, right? Which for one was okay part of '97, for the for a third of '97, you had DDP fighting the NWO, which was great. And then finally, the guy that they've been waiting for looks like Sting. shit when he comes back. Come on! Not to mention the the Bret Hart. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, I'm talking about it. The Bret Hart involvement. The guy like clearly lost to Hogan, and then like Bret Hart's like. All right, no, it's like fuck you, Bret Hart, and I love Bret Hart. I, but come I, on. I'll admit, WCW made was, a mistake, but they were trying. They were also trying to appeal to the people who saw the screw job and say, like, look, he got his revenge well, on WCW, and you, that's why you should watch. It didn't work. It did, that whole thing. It WCW dragged its fans through the mud on this angle for <laughs> so long. How many times could the heel win? How many times could Kevin Nash go out there and lift his stupid leg and that's his work for the night? Okay, I'll say this. They did drag their feet with the NWO. A lot. You're correct. But you have to remember at the time, it was printing money. It didn't matter what they did. The, the Half the reason there's 5,000 people in the NWO is because it, it was just it was working. You know, people people were buying into that. It's only retrospectively that we look back at it and say, oh, there was 5,000 people in the end. But at the time, it was cool. There's this gang of guys, and, and they can overpower. It was realistic why they could actually, like, take over this wrestling company. How many more Scott Norton fans were earned because of the NWO, <laughs> though? I mean, come on. Uh, I think the Scott, or- Scott Norton thing was to promote NWO Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Right? You know who was in NWO Japan? Fake Sting. It was fake Sting. What's the uh, Masahiro Chono was <laughs> I in it? I think so. Muda. Mutai. Yeah, yeah, under, Mu- yeah Muda. Mutai. Yeah, I call him that. Under his real name. Yeah, Muda. Um, yeah, he was there. Here, here's the other thing. Okay, but Scott Norton was big in Japan. I think that's what he was that was. Big in I Japan. think that was the 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 implication, right? Very was big that in he Sheboygan. Was very big, very big in Japan. I think he was coming back, and they were like, "Look at this guy. He's good in Japan. He's an NWO Japan, and now he's moving over to regular yeah, NWO." Who cared about that? I mean, let's be and honest. He also, People glorify. The, Go the, ahead. the reasoning also at the time was his buff needed a tag partner. Don't even get me started on Bagwell. 
<laughs> that guy. Well, I will say the early Judy Bagwell stuff was kind of funny. It was not. He's a mama's boy. That was the gimmick. You were watching at that time? The early stuff, because that was like in 97. 98. I think, I think it started then, the joke that he was a mama's boy. I don't know. I was watching the Heart Foundation DX in Austin. Maybe you're right. Actually, that you know what? So I actually, you know how like Goldberg's coming back or whatever? I was watching the episode oh, with, uh, yeah, but let's not talk about that, but you know how the ep- you know the episode where Goldberg beats Hogan in '98 or whatever. I was watching yeah. that, and that's where the that's the Mama's boy Buff Bagwell he's broken yeah. his neck and you know that right. stuff. So you might be right, but still, Buff was an entertaining character still in '97. I don't agree with that. My my main problem is that it seemed like, and again, I could be just mincing memories. The heels won a lot, though. The NWO won a lot in '97. Yeah, but that was also you get sick of that. You could look at that two ways. First of all, that was a WCW pattern forever. Ric Flair. Yeah, and like, I, need I remind you, one of these companies is no longer in business well, with their patterns. Yeah, but it might not be because of that as much as it might be because of money and AOL and all this. Mm-hmm. I, I To this day, I'm honest, I truly believe had they not run into financial issues and, and mergers and nonsense and Ted Turner being out, that they would still be in business today. There wouldn't be no TNA and all that. Well, we could, you know, be thankful for that at least. Yeah, and I, they were be- they were better than TNA's lowest. Like TNA's lowest of lows don't even touch WCW's lowest. When it's lowest. like comparing the best porta potties. Either way, there's WCW a big shit. WCW had great moments though. They, they did, really but did. They, they were compared to WWF. They were few and far between. I'm talking it's WCW true. for the record, not NWA, but WCW, 91 onward or whenever. They had a couple bad years and they had a couple of good years. And it just, they I ended agree. up they ended up at the bad, the bad years sunk them at the very end. I just, one thing that really bugged me. It was me, really like two bad years that sunk them, 99 and 2000 really. Yeah, those were their two really bad years, uh, 01 into 01. But they had, they had, it. let's be fair, 96 through 98 are fine. If we, they're fine, yeah. They're fine. I agree it's with you. a perfectly okay wrestling company. But I still will um, strongly argue that 97 is overrated. Now, I know the WWF wasn't like the best thing ever in 97. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people are retroactively, from blogs I've read and stuff like that, realizing how good the WWF started to be in, in the middle of 97. Yeah, and you know what we've watched recently? I, I would argue that a lot of stuff starts to happen in late, late 96, which is overlooked a lot. Like the yeah. Pillman's got a gun yeah, and, there was and an, the emergence of Austin. Yeah, and there was an edgier feel that started to go on. Yeah, McMahon, yeah. McMahon started to be revealed as the owner, like yes, subtle. Very it subtle. subtle. It was very subtly brought in, uh, basically up until the Brett thing. Yeah, it just really started to boil over. Um, but one thing I think you will agree with me on is by 97, week after week of Larry Zbysko saying, the new world owner. <laughs> new world owner. New world that owner. That got tiring. That did get tiring. It was like, can we just have brain? I couldn't wait for the second hour. Oh, my God. Seriously. Well, who was on the first? Just Shivani and Zbysko, right? That was yeah, the first yeah. time. I was like, oh, God, get the, get then, the hell off And then it TV. was like, let's keep the good part and get yeah. rid of the bad yeah, part. Yeah, Shivani was still good in 97. He was fine. I, I think he started to not care around 99, really. He kind of, he toughed it out He with toughed them. it out. He, he was a good announcer. Yeah, he toughed it out. And he, be, you have to remember, he'd been with the company other than a brief break in 89. He'd Since been with in 85, a, maybe? In a long time, 84, yeah. something long like that, time. yeah. So he really, he, he toughed it out and... He was a good announcer, too. I, he really was. I'll give Shivani a lot of credit. Me he too. He was good. He was the best you could do. Like, without having the cachet of announcing talent that WWE had. The cash? Like, I, I cash. would call it a cachet. You would. All right, so, Quinn, <laughs> we're going we're to move on to underrated. I'm going to throw this one over to you. And, of course, this is the same thing. Underrated. Something that Quinn thinks is underrated. And it's kind of funny because we were just talking about WCW. And I... These guys were big in both WCW and WWF, I thought, but they were never rightly appreciated. And that would be the Powers of Pain or the Faces of Fear. No, the the Powers... Well, those are two different teams. Oh, man. I'm sorry. No, I I messed up. The Faces of Fear. The Faces really. of Fear? The faces of Fear. Not the Powers of Pain. Barbarian powers and Haku, huh? Yeah, Barbarian and Haku. You know what's funny? When I was driving to the liquor store, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking... 
I knew that I wasn't going to be doing the underrated. And and we don't, by the way, folks, we don't discuss these with each other. No, we don't. Ahead of time. So these are actually genuine reactions to each other when we when we reveal these. I was actually thinking if I had been doing underrated, I probably would have thrown Barbarian and Haku out there. Because oh, yeah, without question. I'm going to wholeheartedly 100% agree with you on this one. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people need to look back and really give credit where credit is due. These guys, these were big dudes, and they, yes, they portrayed were. it. A lot of big guys back then could be squashed or, you know, they just didn't seem as strong as they actually were. But Faces of Fear was a very apropos name. These guys... Those were guys scary. Were f- and <laughs> you know what? That is a bright spot of 1997 WCW, oh actually. My, that tag team is so over, and they're supposed to be heels, which is fun. Yeah, and people do cheer for them. They, I, I've watched some of those Nitros. They have some... Their music is not very good. It's no. It's that quiet heel music, yeah, like what Demolition used to get. Like, this oh, when at the end, when Demolition had the, like, oh, you're not supposed to care about them music. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but they had that in 97. They're like... Like that yeah. thing, but that little hum I just did, I re- I went back to the tapes and that people are the crowd explodes. Do they really? That, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And they come out and they just whether it be against jobbers or against talent like Harlem Heat or the various other tag teams. I'm, I can't recall right now off the top of my head, but there were a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Probably American Males were still around when they were. Mm, I think they broke up in nine. You know, yeah, okay, but, I maybe. Mean, Faces of Fear were kind of a, a mainstay since they, they had both came to WCW. Yeah, and and also let's not forget to, the both of them by themselves in WWF. And I like them; they were good. I'll tell you this: Barbarian Tito Santana at I, WrestleMania I was bring Six. That up. Yeah, that's one of my favorite little hidden matches. It's great, and you know it what's really great? Is. The finish. Oh, that the flying clothesline he gives Santana. <laughs> oh my God! I, I like, you know, they'll they'll always say he hit him out of his shoes, and you're like, eh, okay. But this guy, the way Santana sells, and the way Barbarian just looks utterly dominant. Yeah, it's incredible. That is that is a very good clothesline. That is yeah. a good little tiny little match. Look in it a up, five minute Tito match. Santana Barbarian WrestleMania, and it's perfectly watchable because it's so short. It's five minutes. Yeah, it's five minutes. You can watch it, and you're like, "Yeah, that was great." It, it was, and actually, Jesse Ventura is hilarious on commentary. Oh yes, uh, the, the, the bathroom comma, yeah. yeah, the Chico's the, Revenge, the Blue Note Club in Tijuana, Blue Note Club, yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. It, it, it's a fantastic little gem on WrestleMania six. And you know what? WrestleMania six is not a show. I think that is appreciated for its match quality. It, it, the main event's good, oh, yeah, yeah. but it's still not a great match or anything. But it's the the things in WrestleMania six that are the little things. It's just absolutely. We used to call it old friend. WrestleMania six is like an old friend that you don't see all the time. Yeah, and you're just always happy to see it. Yep, exactly, right? and exactly, that, and. I don't want to stray too off of that, but also Haku, he's on that show too. Haku's awesome. And he's in a great moment with the Andre thing. Yeah, that is a classic but moment. Haku, you know, Haku had his ups and downs in WWF. Tonga Kid at the beginning. The King gimmick kind of didn't work. It didn't work. It was funny to see him on the freaking thing. You know, Yeah, with the, with the Harley Race yeah. music that yeah. ended up being Lawler's music later right. and all that. But I thought Haku could look threatening. Yeah, and I mean, in real life, you could read oh, about yeah. the stories about this guy being right. one of the toughest guys. That, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the Macho Man used to bring him along when yeah. they'd be in an NWA territory. A lot of people have yeah. said this is yeah. the toughest guy. The toughest guy, yeah. yeah. And but I've heard the same about Rick Rude, too. But Yeah, Rude. But um, back to Haku. He was, um, I can get people shitting on him for his work rate and stuff yeah. in maybe the early 90s. But man, if he was motivated, it seemed like he could go. It seemed like, honestly, if he was his at his most motivated in WCW, believe it or not. And they gave him stuff, too. And I'm not, they never gave, they gave him a lot of garbage. Like when he was the hardcore champion and all that. Then he then he came to WWF, remember that? But he that? worked that with him. You know, that was another thing about Haku. He would work with whatever you gave him. He seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like a nice honestly. guy. Yeah. I heard he owns a car dealership Yeah, he's a partner in one yeah, or something like salesman that. Salesman yeah. in one. Yeah. I'd buy a car from him because I don't yeah. want my nose bitten Is off. Is he in the know? Hall of Fame? Nobody should be. He, I would put him I in. I would put both in the Hall of Fame. Barbarian too? Yeah. Fuzzy, as a, as fuzzy a, Antler Barbarian? Fuzzy Antler Barbarian. And, and even first WCW work. 
Well, I, as a tag team, he was great. They were fun. They were yeah, fun. I'm they not were gonna super lie. fun. Now, they didn't have the tag titles ever, did they? They never did, and that's what always bothered me about it. This is a promotion where Bunkhouse, Buck, and Dick Slater Dirty had Dick a tag Dirty Dick Slater, yeah. yeah. But not, not the faces of but, fear. To be fair, it was they were trying to really exude how dominant Harlem Heat was at the time. By the way, folks, I just need to mention Harlem Heat's music mm. is my favorite WCW theme and one of my favorite entrance themes of all time. I would say Vader's theme is my favorite WCW. Is theme. WCW? Oh yeah, it sounds like awesome. Tekken or something. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that one's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not to mention WrestleMania Seven, Barbarian and Haku in that they opener that, against the Rockers. I, I don't know if before, and maybe you can clarify, if they ever teamed up before that. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know. They were both in the Heenan family already. Yeah. So they, they probably did they were on like TV or on house show. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, were they a regular team after that, WCW? I don't... Or, I mean, in, in WWF? I don't know of them being a team. I mean, certainly not in the pay-per-view. I it's, don't... it's funny because I the reason I said Powers of Pain at the beginning of the segment was because I, for some reason, was thinking that they were called Powers Pain in WWF. That was but Warlord. That, that was Warlord and Barbarian, yeah. yeah. Not a good Well, what's funny game. is Barbarian's in that tag game, right. but yeah. That was when they were doing the LOD ripoff gimmick that carried over from the NWA. Well, Demolition was supposed to be the LOD ripoff, too. Well, that was the humor in it, the, yeah. the irony in it, is that they, in NWA in like 87, 88, the Powers of Pain feuded with the Road Warriors. Okay, yeah. And then they Vince got them, brought them over, and feuded them with Demolition. Basically the same thing. Exactly. Now, <laughs> Essentially. I, I like Demolition, for the record. I love Demolition. Yeah. Although, I, they Crushing. really got the Crush shaft not... at the end, but... Oh, well, once Axe started not wrestling, and then it just they turned seemed... heel... I know... Okay. I'm going to go back to this Demolition thing, because I think they got the shaft big time. Because Crush was brought in when they were champions... He was, uh, the, no, no, no. Were, oh, wait, you're, no, sorry. Yeah. You're right, you're right. He was brought in when they were champions. Correct. And they defended the title for a lengthy period of time with Crush, so why would Crush not be understood in kayfabe to be just as good? You got me there. Yeah. So why why when Axe disappears and they lose the titles, do they give him the, the crappy music, <laughs> and then they treat him like they're garbage, and then all of a sudden, you know, we got Repo Man. Not to mention, yeah, yeah. I love Repo Man. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but not to mention that Fuji then became their manager again. Yeah, it was yeah. like they were doing everything they could to get them not over. Right, change it's their, so upsetting. Change their music. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it because I personally love Demolition. Me too. I think. Okay, maybe this is for another time, mm. but I think they're better than LOD. That's another thing I was thinking today, actually, believe yeah. it or not. I really was, because I... Maybe because I didn't live down south. That might be a north-south thing. Yeah, because I could see if you... Let's say one was strictly a WWF fan, and you see these goofy guys come in with their spikes and their crap. Yeah. They beat the Nasties. They didn't do that much else, their first WWF run, the LOD. No. They really they didn't. Di- they really didn't. They they came they, in... But I remember when they came in... One of the stupidest things with LOD to me is that they cost Demolition the title by looking at them. <laughs> like, what? Like, 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 really, Demolition's that junky now that we have to... A, a look from Hawk and Animal can defeat them. To be fair, a look from anyone these days can beat someone on Raw, you know? You know what I've always wondered, actually? What? When someone's doing a run-in these days on Raw... What are they telling the people to play their like Titantron and their entrance music? I hate that. I hate, I hate it. that too. They never used to do that either. No, and that was the best part about it. Like Randy now, Savage, Randy Savage at Rumble '91, right? He does this great run in. Yes, against that's Sergeant one of Slaughter. the best run ins ever. These days, his freaking music would play. Now, in WWE's defense, when a run in is a, usually those run ins are to distract them with the music. But again, who's playing this music? What but, kind of okay, dweeb I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, is sitting there doing I, this? And I may be wrong. The fans at home can correct me, maybe, perhaps. Okay. But if I recall in this most recent title change, universal title thing, mm-hmm. I believe Triple H came out of the crowd, no music, and cost... That is the way to do it. Cost, yeah. you know, Seth Rollins a title. That's the way to do this stuff. The organic feel to it, which right. is really missing today. But it seems WWE always does that when... They want it to be a surprise. There's no music. And that's so I swear, I just 
if you're going to suspend your disbelief, what, it's just people just go up to the gun and they're like, play my music? I mean, I guess that would make sense, but like, what kind of... It's branding part of it. I mean, yeah, I, know I know that. But... I, I get the business end of it. I get the business but... end of it too, but I, I hate it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's do awful. I. It's the worst. I don't remember LOD's music playing when they did their no, run in at SummerSlam. I mean, if it yelled, what a rush. Uh, I, think... <laughs> I think Demolition would be like, oh, LOD is okay, here. Okay, don't pay attention to them. Exactly. We got a title to defend here. Yeah. But I'm so. glad the Heart Foundation won. I I love the Heart uh, Foundation. It was the Heart's time. It was just a stupid way for Demolition to lose. It's like, oh, look. what? They're there. Yeah, I know. Like, they just froze. They I, just I froze agree. and roll up. It's over. Yeah. Fun so, match, though. Yeah. How do we start this Barbarian and Haku? Yeah. That match against the Rockers at WrestleMania 7. Excellent match. Excellent match. Really the Rockers unsung. were opening pay-per-views, by the way, very well at the time. Rumble 91. Yeah. <sighs> they were. Th- that was good. They were very good. They were. They, that was a good year for them, 91. And this year they broke up, too, so yeah. it's funny. And but. the two teams, you know, you had Haku and Barbarian, but don't don't uh, shortchange the Orient Express Paul Diamond edition. Yeah, the Paul Diamond edition. The the other edition, the Shinja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, Sato. He just looks like a fat guy in red pants. It, it... <laughs> His butt looks so big. He's like half a Santa Claus. Yeah, it, it's weird. <laughs> But and what's even weirder is he later became like Hakushi's manager yeah, with the Shinja. white face paint. Yeah, yeah. Like I always thought that was strange. I didn't even realize that at the time. But when I went back and look, when I went back and looked, because you know when I first started watching wrestling, I didn't watch the tapes. Yeah, in previous. Order. But then yeah. when I watched WrestleMania Six, I'm like, Hakushi's manager was a wrestler because he looks like stupid when he's Hakushi's manager. Like he looks like he could never wrestle anybody. Not only that, Quinn, not a, not only was he Sato, not only was he Shinja, Hakushi's manager. Yeah. He was also a random goon amongst a few Japanese people at SummerSlam ninety three in the main event ceremony. Yoko For versus Yoko? Luger. Yeah. He's one of like random Japanese <laughs> goons. I swear he's there. You can check me on this guys, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's there. He's not the guy that sings the national anthem. This is why I don't watch '93 that much. There's so much weird. I I probably I need to brush up on '93, but yeah, you don't. You know that's true, folks. As I mentioned last week, Quinn and I have been watching wrestling together for 17 years. I've um, seen it, but I don't watch it often. And a lot of the times, '93 would just get bypassed. <laughs> yeah, I just to me, it is one of the worst years in wrestling. In both promotions, both promotions. Period. I just don't want to remember. It's like '03 to me. That's and actually the one of the years that I just had zero to do with wrestling. That was the first wrestling. year I stopped watching for a year. And what's funny is looking back, I know people talk about the SmackDown 6 and all this. I didn't watch it any of It kind of went right over me because me I was just so done with the company. Like, the invasion went sour. That's and what like, turned me yeah, off, and to like, be honest with you. And then 2002 was okay, but yeah. it just kind of that's when it started tapering off. So, I agree with you yeah. 100% on that. that. That's when I... I got very turned off by the end of the invasion angle. Yeah. I ordered that pay-per-view. Oh, God. I was so excited. So was I. I thought, and the dual entrances, like, they did a lot a lot of stuff right. They did. But they did a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah, most of it was and wrong. And in the end, they kind of made Survivor Series the real blow-off rather than the invasion pay-per-view. Yeah, that was when the uh, the angle officially ended. Yeah. And the next night is when Jerry Lawler came back. But I think this rounds us out nice <laughs> because if you recall in 2002... Haku came back to the WWE. So there you go, folks. With his big afro and everything. And what we're going to do now is take another commercial break. And we will be back right after this. It was dubbed the slam heard round the world. The Lex Express is coming to town. Meet America's newest hero, WWF superstar Lex Luger, as his call to action campaign rolls toward SummerSlam. America's hero Lex Luger and the Lex Express are coming to Shopping Town Mall this Friday, July 23rd from 3.30 to 5. Autographs and photos available. Super Brawl Saturday? Can he afford to pay me a restaurant? I don't know! And welcome back. All right, it's time for our last segment here. This is the then and now segment. This is where perspectives change. And Quinn, you'll like this one. What do you got for me this week? I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this one, folks. So I got into wrestling in the summer of 1994, and my favorite wrestler was immediately the champion, Bret Hart. Of (laughs) Of course. course. Of course. I loved him. Still do. Still my favorite wrestler. 
So one of the things I did upon getting into wrestling is I would go to my local video store and I would rent whatever tapes they had. They didn't have much. They had about eight tapes maybe. And yeah, the f- you see, my, my, my store had a couple. I know they did. Yeah. And I wish I had known about that store when they went out of business. <laughs> heritage video. Yeah, because I'd be owning some of those tapes instead of you. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I ever did when I went there to rent a wrestling tape is I rented Royal Rumble 1993. <laughs> so at this point, that pay-per-view is only a year and a half old. It's not that not old that at the old, time. Yeah. Pretty, Pretty fresh. Relevant. Pretty fresh. Last Basically the last Royal Rumble at the time. When Before 94, right? yeah. 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 Okay. And of course... As I'm sitting there watching it, the biggest nine-year-old Bret Hart fan in the world, my favorite match from that <laughs> event, and I lauded it for years and years and years. And trust me, folks, it was many years. <laughs> it was insufferable. Until my late 20s. <laughs> Quinn knows where I'm going. I know where you're going, yeah. Bret Hart, world champion, versus Razor Ramon. <sighs> I would sing the praises of this match for years when Quinn and I met in 99 I would always tell him how much I love that match I would go on I'm talking for over a decade I went on about this match and you know what's funny we met in about 2000 99 right? 2000, 2000, 2000 right mm-hmm. um you were still going on about it then I went on about it until I was in my late 20s and I, I'm only 31 believe it or not I I think I had not watched it at that point, and then I ran and got got the tape. Because of me. Because of you. And what did you think? And what do I find? A boring, absolutely sleep-inducing contest between Razor Ramon and Bret Hart. Utterly awful. Shattered my dreams, folks. <laughs> and I told him this, and, and I- you just wouldn't accept it. You, you... You just wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't. And I, I'm, I'm going to say until maybe a year or two ago yeah. you finally accepted it. Yeah. I think I I because it was like the network came out. That's and what I it said, was. Yes. And I said, we're going to wa- we're gonna sit down and watch this. With a fair perspective. With a fair perspective. <laughs> and, and it was, I was having a tough time sitting through it <laughs> then too. It is a lousy match. Let's put it that way. As much as I hate to admit it, folks, Quinn was right. That match. And I am rarely correct, I would say, <laughs> admittedly. Well, you were right, Quinn. As much as I sung the praises of that match for half for over a decade, <laughs> it's boring. It's boring. And I love Brett, and everyone it's, that knows me knows that. It's boring, and it's surprising, too. That it's so boring. Because you got two good workers. You got two good workers. One of the problems with that match is that Scott Hall, or Razor Ramon, you know, hadn't quite come into his own as Razor Ramon yet. I would Ramon say he yet. hadn't established himself in the WWE. He had, he was a he had been in the business for a while mm-hmm. at that point. I I, I want to say he debuted for as a professional wrestler 85 80 86. Oh, that far back I was going to say yeah. 89, but I think well maybe you're right. But I, I mean know. he hadn't made it big until early 90s WCW as the Diamond Stud. If you would call that big, I guess, you know. Well, I mean, he, it was he got on national television, let's put it. He wasn't okay. wrestling in bingo halls or anything. No, no. Yeah. Um he he might be now. No, he's not. What is he doing now? He's getting drunk sometimes. Again? Well, it's better, and people call him out on him, and DDP takes care of him. So, so it's better it's, than it, it was. Five it's years under control. Ago. Like he, okay. he if he get if he gets caught, they they put him in his place, and then he he's like, okay, I'm back on the wagon again. So good for Scott Hall. Good I, for I, Scott I, Hall. I always that was that was one of the happiest moments yeah. of a, a, maybe a year or two ago. I think with the DDP thing. That was great, and you know what? I know you haven't watched it. Go. They released a documentary, the Jake the Snake one. Have you seen it? It's on pick Netflix. Your, it's not on the network. Not pick your poison, right? That was a no, no, no. One. It's like a separate thing. It's about it, it's the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. You were called. telling me about that. Yeah, and Scott Hall's recovery is covered in there. Really? Yes. So DDP is in it. Mm. They they the story they told um, at the Hall of Fame, no joke, is completely legitimate. Really, Jake. Jake came in first, mm-hmm. and they both were talking one day at a table, and they said, "You know, Scott's really bad. We got to take care of him." And they they brought him in. It was great. It's wonderful. Go watch it. Go watch that right now. It's I think it's on Netflix right now. Literally, yeah. 
see what my wife thinks of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm saying this even to the the view the viewers. Yeah, the go watch it. Yeah, go go watch that. <laughs> Don't turn off this crappy podcast. So back to that. <laughs> yeah, really. So back to that match. Um, yeah, it's not good. What what makes it in it with perspective is I hadn't seen King of the Ring '93 until much later. Okay. Their King of the Ring '93 opener. They opened the show actually. First round contest. Ten, yeah, yeah, ten times better. Probably, yeah. It really was. And it shows that the work, I guess, Scott Hall was coming into his own at that point. He was, and and I love Razor Ramon. I mean, that's oh, one of my... Oh, he became a classic character. I love Razor Ramon. Yeah, I, and you know, it's funny, for a while, I, th- I when I was new to wrestling, he was kind of like the second favorite, really. Right. I really liked him. That's 1995, folks, just for the perspective yeah, here. Yeah, uh, I, I was upset when... Uh, Jeff Jarrett. The, the Dean Douglas thing. No, but he beat Dean Douglas. Oh right, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, you're right. The Jeff Jarrett thing. The Jeff Jarrett yeah. thing is what you. Yep, yep. Rumble '95. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, he beat Dean Douglas. I'm thinking of Shawn Michaels, my favorite. Ugh. Getting that whole thing with him and the windbreaker, being like, uh, <laughs> you, 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 I, you know, I can't, uh, uh, you know, job. <laughs> Basically, yeah. but yeah, Razor Ramon. Overall, NWO included. You know, the, the I sp- thought he was good in the NWO. No, that's what I'm saying. Overall, like, yeah. my thoughts about 97 aside, I love Scott Hall. I mean, I uh, really yeah. do. And I was even excited for him when he came back in uh, 02. 02? Yeah, yeah, 02. I thought, it. I think that's why 02, as we were talking earlier, was so disappointing. was because they got Hall and Nash back and they were removed from the WCW sphere and you thought, okay, they're going to pick it up and, you know, right. they're going to step right back into yeah, it. Yeah. They still got a couple of years left on them, a lot of mileage, but, you know... And they just kind of tapered off, and they were nothing. That yeah, that match Hall had against Austin at eighteen that could have been great. And it it could have been, but it was bad. Upsetting. Yeah, it was bad. I, I would have quit the company too if I was. It Austin. was bad, but it was also kind of a dream match at the same time. I don't know that anyone ever dreamed about that. You don't think? If he was Razor Ramon, maybe that would have been. They had the he same. Chuck, he never wasn't Razor Ramon. <laughs> like, let's be fair. Here. Okay, fair point. He never was fair point. Razor Ramon. You know their music is pretty much the same song. Think about it. Slow Austin's down. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. It's the same song. Well, a lot of WWE themes are that way, right? That's true. That is true. It was like the battle of the theme songs. <laughs> you know, it's another good DVD that Jim Johnson. Oh, um, music, yeah. Music of WWE thing. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, that is really good, right? We watched that a few, I might be a year now. But... Is that is that only a half an hour? No, right? it's like an hour. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I remember just being really short. It was short. <laughs> well, how much can you talk to Jim Johnson about? I mean, he did recycle the same eight themes like over and over again. But he's considered a genius in, in the business. Yeah, but well, when you compare, as an overall scope, if you compare... WWF's music overall. I know WCW had a couple of good themes. Yeah. But if you compare overall WWF's music to WCW, WWF kills them. Uh, There's no I, question about it. I'm Come on. I'm in slight disagreement about that, and that's really because I've when I think of WCW music, I think of it like it's the video game version of wrestling music. Well, that's not necessarily a compliment. But I though, like it? it for some reason because I, I like old school video games. So to me, okay. it kind of gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling when I hear those WCW themes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I liked I liked the Harlem Heat music, like the I mentioned. The Harlem Heat. But there's a lot of other good ones. Like I had mentioned Vader's. Yeah, um, this is good. There's, um, I want to, right now in the, right, in the back of my head, I'm thinking of Psychosis's music was pretty good. I don't remember that. It's like, do 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 yeah, I'm sure it is. And, and um, I remember, I really like Chris Jericho's, both of his themes. The, like, happy, smiley when face Chris face, Jericho yeah. and the heel, like, Nirvana music. Or, no, that was DDP. That was DDP, yeah. <sighs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a horrible hummer, but look look up Jericho's second WCW. It was pretty good, Look too. it up. <laughs> and Dean Malenko, the I, Iceman theme. Yeah, I guess that was okay, but... Overall, I didn't like their music. I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's a taste thing. I think it's a common misconception that WCW music is bad. No. You you think you think it's like I think their music's bad. You just think it's bad. Bad overall. You don't think other people like it? I don't know. People have to tell us. Yeah, but, write in about that. I, yeah, really. I really. 
I really think WCW had some very memorable themes. I don't know. We can't really and name any. Are you just judging it based on like you didn't like the Hogan theme? <laughs> yeah. I don't like the Hogan theme. That's that's 100. percent What true. do you think of the NWO theme? That's stock music. That's iconic. In though. fact, I might use that on this podcast because it's stock. <laughs> it is stock. Uh, Luger had a good theme, and mm. I think that's funny in the stock vein because if you watch Sports Center to this day, when they recap a baseball game there? or something, they use Luger's theme. <laughs> it's true. That's like the reverse stock effect. Like that is funny. It's it's weird. I don't know. I love WWF's themes. I mean, no, they're Hart, great. Shawn Michaels, Crush, even. Crush, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, Crush. Wait, are you talking about Kona Crush? Face Crush. Yeah, the orange. Yeah, whatever. You, crush. That. Uh, yeah, he Neon was. He wasn't crush. Caught. I hate. I hate Crush. That Crush so much. His theme disgusts me because I just hate the character so much. You like the heel Crush better, don't you? I do. I'm talking about the Mr. Fuji version. Yeah, the Mr. Fuji version. Even the Purple demolition tights. version's better. But the Mr. Fuji like. He learned martial arts or something in prison or whatever, and like Fuji's <laughs> like honing, honing his craft. <laughs> he didn't learn it in prison. I don't know. He and had he, the face tattoo from prison. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't when he came back in '94? Wasn't he also like in? Had didn't he have a stint in prison also? No, then? no, that was why was he gone he from? Back. Why was he gone from the Orange Crush? Like, what? There he was gone for a period. Yokozuna crushed the Orange Crush. <laughs> In 93, in July, and then he got all mad at Randy Savage for not helping him, and then they feuded, and then, remember he had the goatee and the Fuji? That's the one I like, that crush. I don't know how. He's a horrible wrestler at that point. Yeah, but he just, he's he's very bra, and I I don't know, I just like him. Is he dead? He's dead, right? Crush? Yeah, isn't he? Ooh, I... If he is, no disrespect, obviously. Yeah, I... We I think Brian Adams is dead. He might be. That's unfortunate. I'd like to hear, like, honestly, he probably has good stories. Well, if he's dead, he doesn't have any stories. No, but <laughs> I'm saying is that he was around for a lot of stuff. Let's put it that way. He would probably have a lot of insight. He was there in 90. I mean, he was there it's all always, the way up. In, it's yeah. always the guys who weren't that big that know a lot of stuff. Like Harvey Whippleman? Yeah. They're still interviewing him on stuff. Yeah. Right, but he's he's a good go-to guy, right? Because he's he's kind of removed from the business. He was kind of in the background, you know. Yeah, to a large extent. Those he are was. always the guys I think of. Like, I know you don't like him, Who? but Michael Hayes knows a lot of stuff. Fuck Michael Hayes! I don't care. <laughs> that guy is a freaking racist. He he is a horrible person. But as far as his knowledge, if you watch Legends of Wrestling, you remember that show yeah. on the network? Go watch mm-hmm. it now. It's there too. He is very knowledgeable. I, I'll give him that. Yeah, but, I mean, knowledgeable only because he was there. Right, but that's what you want, right? That's what you I want guess. in those kind of things. Like, like we were there. We don't know what we're talking about, really. <laughs> but this is from a fan's perspective, this by the way, folks. This is from a fan's perspective. And you yeah. may agree, you may disagree. What we're here to do is kind of just share our our perspective on things as fans from the early 90s. Right, exactly. You know, that's all it is. Uh, I don't like Michael Hayes, no. Yeah, <laughs> you hate Michael For, Hayes. I, I just, hate is a strong word, and it, and it's one that I would use with Michael Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Michael Hayes... Sucks. ...is a pioneer in the business to a degree. What degree? I mean, he he did pioneer music being an important factor in the I business. No, Which that's... is funny, because we've been talking about music, but yeah. a lot of that might be left to Michael Hayes. I know Sergeant Slaughter had the... The Marine Corps hymn and everything. Yeah, but, but George... Hymn? Is that what it's called? I think it's called the Marine Corps hymn. Okay. Look it up on Google. I don't know. From what I understand, Gorgeous George used to use pomp and circumstance in the 50s. So I don't know. This whole thing about like Michael Hayes inventing entrance <laughs> music. Okay, but from... Let's let's just say Gorgeous George invented it. Nobody was using it for like 30 years after. No, I mean, I guess not. Bruno Sammartino didn't have music, did he? No. Right? I... I, I <laughs> No. Can you, is, if you looked up on YouTube Bruno San Martino theme, you'd probably find some stock thing that came up for the Hall of Fame or something. Yeah, that used to, by the way, that pisses me off. Like, oh, like the Ricky Steamboat, like, dumb music because they don't own the Alan Parsons Project song? Yeah, not that they should, but no. When You know how in like, some of these video games, when Andre the Giant comes out, oh, and he's like, they'll give that, him music? And his music's weird, too. It's like, oh, oh. 
Like he never it's had not music. even music. Like he never had music. He never had music no, ever. ever. He was Andre the Giant. He didn't need music. Yeah, he didn't need music. The sight of Andre the Giant is supposed to be his music. That's very poetic. Yeah, isn't it? Huh? That was. That was a good one. His his music is through eyesight. Michael Hayes sucks, though, is what I'm trying to say. He's not the best wrestler. He's not the best anything. Anything. But he was very charismatic. I'll give him that. Go and go back. I'll and, give him that. If you go back and watch a lot of his stuff in World Class, and even to an effect when the Freebirds came over to the NWA, yeah, great character. I'm not gonna say that he wasn't a great character, but I think he's severely like overappreciated by a lot of people. Oh, the WWE really, oh, you know, they oversell how great he was. Yeah, they but, do. But I mean, him, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. They are the staples the, of the South. Let's put like it that way. Yeah. yeah, Buddy Roberts. St- staples of the South. Let's yeah, put it that way. <laughs> Don't. <clears throat> I I think <clears throat> I think it's I think it's a little too northeastern elitist to put down a lot of what NWA did. I I went back when I went back and first got to see a lot of those Saturday nights from eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. Mm-hmm. I was that show is watchable now. It's very watchable now. I've watched some of those with you. It's very different than what WWF was doing at the time. It's more in te- a good way. Yeah, in, in a, a good, good way. way. It's more technical wrestling. It is, but a lot of it is very forgettable. I don't know. I remember. I remember what's going on. But one of the biggest matches of all time, Quinn, is Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. Right. And that was not technical. And if Dave Meltzer was rating it, I'm sure he gave it like the worst rating you can give it, right? Probably. Yeah. But I wonder what Scott Keith gave it. I negative. I don't know. One. Well, Scott Keith. He probably right, didn't give it negative. Right. It's, 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 yeah. He might have. Maybe. I'm gonna find uh, out right now. Yeah. Well, I, I I highly doubt it because of just the 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 magnitude of the match. You know. I I can't remember actually, but the whole thing with. The star rating, I get it from that point of view. Yeah, it has to. It has to get at least a star. But I, <laughs> I just, mean, come on. That is one match. I think that at least if you were a fan in the mid eighties, that you, you can't compare that to anything that was going on in Georgia Championship Wrestling on TV. It's a six of five. I disagree like, with who you. Cares? What about Dusty and Flair? No one talks about that in the reverent tones that they do about Andre and Hogan. Oh, yes, they do. Where are they? They're they're not owned by WWE revisionist history. You know, like, <laughs> how those matches just don't matter. Like, All right, point for Quinn on that right, one. Right, yeah, like, but, those, those, are great, those are great moments. The, the house, those crowds are going nuts for that stuff, and they're going nuts maybe. Yeah, all 200 of them. No, 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 they're in the Georgia Dome. You know, like, they're in the Omni and all that. Like these, these are big. These are big places. All right, so fine within the within the confines of the wrestling, you know, scope there. Then yeah, yeah. fine. But you can ask a lot of random fifty-year-old, you know, jabronis off the street to name a wrestler. They're gonna say Hulk Hogan, or they're gonna say Ric Flair. No one up. No. It's one. It's fifty-fifty. I don't and believe that. It's, for prob- a it's probably fifty-fifty between the Mason-Dixon line. Oh come on, like, that's bold, Dookie. People know who Hulk Hogan. I'm is. not saying everyone knows who Hulk- people in the South know who Hulk Hogan it's is. It's 80-20 Hulk Hogan. If, would you say if you asked a random fifty-year-old guy, name a wrestler, just you can't name Hulk Hogan? What would be the first one they Stone would say? Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. It ain't Ric Flair, buddy. It's not. I think you downplay Ric Flair's significance I don't. by a lot. No, I think the that his significance gets upplayed. We're talking mainstream, not amongst wrestling fans. Amongst mainstream. Do you think because he's such a spectacle in real life that uh, that really no. is the reason why he he gets pushed up more than you think he is? No, I just think that... Because I think his accomplishments more than merit his relevance. When you see my uncle at Thanksgiving, if you ask him to name a wrestler... He's going to say Hulk Hogan, but this is also... We're in the Northeast. Even so, Hulk Hogan was in movies in the early 90s, late 80s even. Hulk Hogan was a household name. If he, I bet Ric you, Flair was a wrestling name, yes. I bet you if you asked any, any 50-year-old man in the state of Georgia... Carolina, any of the Carolinas, uh, maybe even down in well Florida, they might say Dusty, but um, 
you know, anywhere in the Mid-South, they would say Flair over Hogan any no day. No way. Oh, definitely. Come definitely on. Definitely Flair. Definitely Flair. I would actually propose that to people listening to this. I would want to know where you are and who you consider the automatic go-to wrestler. I'm, I'm with you, actually. That, that's Walk up to strangers and be like, name a wrestler. <laughs> Not even strangers, but even their response. Just and write it in, you know? I'm going to go with Hogan. I think you're right on the vast majority, but I think there is a there's a significant area in this country where Ric Flair would be well, well above Hulk Hogan. I'm very thankful that I don't live <laughs> nor have to go to that area. I would say it's going to be Hogan, The Rock, and maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's and Flair's not not even the Macho Man, huh? He'd be up there before Flair. Maybe even the Ultimate Warrior, Jimmy Snuka. Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, Jimmy Snuka. Well, Jimmy People Snuka, remember that's Snuka. Got, yeah, I mean, we were at the table with a guy tonight. He, he, he mentioned Jimmy Snuka first. <laughs> it wasn't anything weird, folks, I promise. No, as far as <laughs> we, we were mentioning, uh, talking about wrestling yeah. briefly, and he mentioned Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka, Snuka first. So, so yeah. <laughs> so that's because Jimmy Snuka was just a hot, he was a hot character in his time. He was, he from was, what I understand, he was, yeah. He was the number one guy in the company before Hogan. He really was. I mean, if if number one think, meaning... Why do you think they had to get the rub from Snuka at WrestleMania 1? Exactly. I mean, I don't... As much as, like, Backlund, you know, obviously was a champion for six years. Snuka was No one ever over, talks about yeah. Bob Backlund. But Snuka was more over than him in that Hell time, yeah. even. It was Bruno Sammartino era. Yeah. And then no one talks, like, casual fans that people... I'm talking people, People wanted you know, Backlund to probably lose the title more back then. Yeah, To exactly. Jimmy Snuka. Maybe. Well, Snuka was a heel. He fought Backlund. He fought him at the beginning, but then he turned yeah. face because he mm-hmm. was just so explosively popular. Yeah, and then Piper stormed in and yeah. took advantage of that. Yeah. And basically, folks, that's going to do it for our show here. It's been a great hour chatting with you, Quinn. It's been great. It has it's been. been. This, again, lots of co- ground covered. Lots right? of ground has been covered. We're going to do this again next week. We would love to hear from you. And remember, you can email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That's ovppodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at ovppodcast. So, Quinn, it's been a good hour. Yes, it's been a good hour, definitely. Looking forward to doing this again. Me too. We will see you next time. See you next week. So long. I'm Horace Hogan. Look at all of this crap in this ring. As the biggest night in the history of this great organization. In the new world organization of wrestling, brother. New world order. When you stop.